0: Now, try to contain your surprise as I share with you this morning uh, the insight that I have never been into fashion. So much so that I sought out a job with a uniform consisting of all black when it's not being covered up by multiple layers of large and ill-fitting robes. (laughs) My lifelong disinterest "...led me to a moment in 2006 when I sat in a movie theater in the good old days, remember, uh, watching The Devil Wears Prada and found myself undergoing something that can only be described as a revelation." Sorry, this movie movie reference is dated, by the way. Uh, In seven years of giving sermons, I can count on one hand the number of times I've referenced movies uh, because that's about how many movies I've watched in that time, so bear with me. You remember it, though, right, this movie? Meryl Streep plays um, a devil wearing Prada. (laughs) Um, She's a fashion magazine editor named Miranda with an assistant named Andy, played by Anne Hathaway. There's a scene where a crew of people are picking out clothes for a fashion shoot. Andy stands aside, out of the way, head down, note-taking, while a flurry of activity goes on around her. Someone nervously offers Miranda, the editor, two nearly identical blue belts, saying she's not sure which would be best. They're so different. Andy... Snorts with laughter from her corner, and so did I from my plush red seat. Uh, So Miranda fixes that Meryl Streep ice queen stare at Andy and asks if something is funny. Andy stammers no. The belts just look the same. Uh, She's still learning about all this stuff. Miranda spits this stuff. Oh, okay, I see. You think this has nothing to do with you. You go to your closet and you select out, oh, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back. But what you don't know is that sweater is not just blue, it's not turquoise, it's not lapis, it's actually cerulean. You're also blithely unaware of the fact that in 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns. And then, I think it was Yves saint Laurent, wasn't it, who showed cerulean military jackets. And then cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. Then it filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you, no doubt, fished it out of some clearance bin. (laughs) However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs, and so it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry, when in fact you're wearing the sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Human beings have a way of understanding ourselves as unique individuals. We think that we like what we like because of something innate in us, that Amber was born with a certain character, certain desires, certain dislikes, all waiting to be expressed. And what we tell ourselves is that there's a way of life where we can be our true, authentic selves. People who are unaffected by the opinions of others or societal pressures. This is an illusion we all share in. Miranda Priestley dismantled it about the fashion industry, said that we are all being shaped by the desires and opinions of others, including those of us who think that we are beyond it. We are influenced down to something even as mundane as the cerulean sweater you were wearing in 2006." One of my idols, uh, theologian James Allison, focuses his thought and writing on this seemingly simple idea that human beings are imitators of one another, right? Constantly measuring ourselves and each other up. The technical term for his work is called mimetic theory. Uh, It just means that our desires are shaped by others, though we will insist that we are unique. I don't mean imitation in terms of, you know, just keeping up with the Joneses, though our sense of what we need is absolutely shaped by corporations who understand this concept, right? That if enough people get their new thing, we will all someday need it. I mean this, though, at the most fundamental level, Children are taught how to love by imitating the love they receive from their parents. In tragic circumstances, in those terrible uh, experiments from days gone by, we've known that because in places where there is no love, the child loses some essential part of their humanity, right? Love doesn't just bubble up out of the neglected child. It must be displayed first. It's why families, this concept, it's why families and towns and, dare I say, churches can operate destructively for generations. People are drawn into the imitation of the behavior they see and they react to it. This can be true for healthy churches, too, and and towns and families, James Allison says that if we can recognize this truth about ourselves, if we can begin to recognize our competitions and comparisons and rivalries as imitations of the way that the world works, only then can we be free to choose another being to imitate. The the idea of imitation is all over the Bible. It used to be all over Christianity, too. The imitation of Christ fell out of favor after the Reformation, Luther being set against anything that could suggest works righteousness, much to our detriment. Discipleship begins with the act of imitating the teacher. In Ephesians' uh, reading today, we hear some sense of what it means to begin this imitation of Christ. Notice how, in this reading, the old ways of the world don't just disappear. They're turned now that the Ephesians have put on the new person. The one created after the likeness of God. The writer says we were taught to lie or ignore the neighbors that we disliked, but now we must speak the truth to them because we know that we are members of one another. The thief who used his hands in imitation of the world to acquire and amass must use those same hands in the new way of providing for those in need. Talk must be for edifying rather than destroying people. All the anger and clamor and slander must be turned to forgiving talk. James Allison points out what Miranda Priestley did. There's no escaping the community that shapes us. We can't flee from the world any more than we can the cerulean sweaters at the bargain bin. But we can begin to model ourselves after a different kind of community, one where you can actually shape a true and authentic self in the way of love. True and authentic because it's what you were made for, it's the only thing that will last.